0: Hello, beautiful people. Zach Tyler is my guest today, and Zach is an entrepreneur and writer, and we've had a lot of similarities in our lifetime without even realizing it. For one, we both went to the same college or university. Um, Another is that we both understand and are really trying to utilize the power of social media and the internet. And three, we've had some of the same or similar, many similar influences on our journey. So overall, this was an incredible conversation. And, you know, when two people study the same things, but they come at it with their own angles and their own perspectives, it creates something really powerful. And I think that conversation, this conversation rather, is that. If you have any thoughts about this episode, let me know on Twitter. At HeyDannyMiranda is the best place to get in contact with me. I'm grateful for you listening. I'm grateful for your time and attention. And this is my episode with Zach Tyler. Interesting people, thought-provoking conversations, nutrition for your brain. Journey through the minds of the world's top performers and discover what it really takes to achieve your highest version.
1: This is the Danny Miranda Podcast.
0: So it sounds like you're into personal development, becoming the greatest version of yourself. When did that mission start?
1: Yeah, so I'll talk about my backstory a little bit. I don't need to go too deep into it, but I grew up on Long Island, New York. I was basically a soccer player growing up. So I, you know, went through the normal middle class Long Island lifestyle and went to a college which you actually went to as well, called Binghamton University in upstate New York. And I went there to play soccer and I was playing on the D1 team. And it was a really tough road. I, you know, growing up like soccer was my whole life and Basically, I went there. I went there with a broken wrist a few weeks in, so I was wearing this big cast when I was playing. And a few weeks in, I broke my other wrist while playing. <laughs> so just imagine like freshman freshman year me like walking around with two casts on in the dining hall. It was uh, <laughs> it was some uh, some funny memories. But basically, what happened was the best way to put my self development journey and what I contribute to you know, whatever you want to call it, the fire I have, what what I want to do with my life doing big things is constant rejection. And Mm. it started in, it started in high school, I'd say. So I'll cut back really quick. Um, I was like, I was like, I'm not going to say popular, but like I had friends in middle school. I was a social kid, but then sometime in high school with soccer and I had really bad skin at the time. um, I really just like fell into like my own little cave and stopped talking to people as much. It was very insecure And that really transferred over to college. So when I was playing soccer, for example, I, you know, this isn't the best thing, but I would take things really personally, even though like, you know, me playing like, yeah, I had those injuries, but I also just wasn't good enough. And I would come home from soccer and just lay in my bed and watch Netflix and not talk to my teammates. And, you know, that's not a good way to start college. And that kind of rejection carried over for the next few years where I, the story gets better, by the way. I know right now it sounds kind of depressing, but it
0: sounds amazing. Uh, <laughs> then through every high comes a low,
1: you know. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it there's like a pattern, and then so the second season I was coming in the second year at Binghamton, going pretty well. I was getting some playing time, and then I this German on my team just like hit me with uh, hit me with an elbow, and I had to get uh, nose surgery because I broke my uh, septum really badly, couldn't breathe, and then I actually transferred to another college to play soccer. And then there I completely tore my like quadricep. And so that was like a two year in recovery. And at that point I was just like, all right, it's time to stop playing soccer. And cause I basically spent this, this, like that kind of rejection, but especially like, and look, this is kind of selfish, but like, I basically spent, I did three seasons of soccer and it's, it's a lot of, if you ever played a college sport, you know, it's a big commitment, but I spent three seasons, like watching other people succeed and play and like, yeah, I like being part of the team, but you know, like I would go and in, run into huddles and celebrations and uh, it sounds bad, but I would just kind of feel dead inside. I would be like, I did not do anything for this. This was not me. And that kind of created something else to, I still had something to prove, you know? And so like, if you've ever read, did you read the Navalman or you've heard of Naval, obviously, right? Yeah. In we- his book. He Did you read it? Yeah. We, we, discussed uh,
0: eric jorgensen i had a nice interview with him episode 16
1: there you go yeah so in his book naval talks about how uh, if you're rejected by society early on in life it's really a gift because mm. you're more likely to go and do your own thing and i think that is a big part of what happened to me and also the fact that i just like i said i felt like i had something else to prove i didn't succeed early on and when i stopped playing soccer is when the self-development really started happening you know i basically just went was in the gym for three hours a day, torturing myself, you know, at a curl machine. And, you know, I physically, (laughs) physically got into better shape. And that was around the time when I started getting uh, more entrepreneurial. And that's really where the shift happened.
0: So what was the lowest point of that journey? You have so much there, but like, what was the point when you're like, all right, I don't know. You know, like what, what were you thinking in those low moments and, and what was the lowest point if you had to put a, a moment on it?
1: Yeah, sure. So there's a pretty specific one. So I went from Binghamton for two years. Right. And then mm-hmm. I transferred to this other school for one semester. And that was where, you know, I literally transferred just to play soccer at a school that it was good team wasn't as good academically, but I just, I, it was my whole life, you know, I spent my whole life playing soccer and the lowest point was when I got there a few weeks in, um, completely like just destroyed my quadricep. like you have like a few tendons in your quad and your rectus femoris is your biggest one and kind of travels like laterally up to your hip. And I just, it was gone. Like I, I didn't have one anymore basically. And so then I transferred from there to Suffolk community college for a semester. And that was like the lowest point. Cause I was basically like, all right, division one Bainton university, which is like a pretty good school. And then I go like, okay, I'm home living at home. Mm. So And that was, but that's, that's where everything started going, getting better. And you know, I think a lot of people will stay the same when, you know, when, when I didn't have a choice anymore, there was nowhere else to go. Uh, you know, that's when things started to turn up.
0: Okay. So let's go through that. You're at Suffolk. And what is the first thing you do on the road to recovery? Is it hit the gym or something else?
1: So I never, I mean, it wasn't really a road to recovery because, are you talking like physically from the injury?
0: No, I'm talking mentally. Cause that's really yeah. the
1: important part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ment- okay. Yeah. So mentally, so you know, I was home now. My parents were living together at the time and obviously, you know, now they're not living together. So things at the time were not very good at home. And obviously I was now went from, you know, enjoying Like you went to Bainton. It's a great time being in school and now mm-hmm. I'm home. And like, I was basically spending three hours a day in LA fitness. This was when I started to get really into like podcasts, reading. I think the first like self development book I read was like the subtle art of not giving a fuck. Great book. By Mark Manson, Mark Manson. And, um, that's when it all started. And I was just in there, just like attacking my brain with positive positive influences. I was really big motivator for me, still is, is Christian Guzman. Do you know that that is? Yep. Yeah. One of my Alphalete. favorites, athlete. Yeah. So I grew up like, you know, I was watching all his logs back in the day and you know, emulated him and everything I could. And that was basically the process. And I can talk about kind of the business stuff. I feel like that makes sense to go into. So the job I had at the time was I worked as a photo booth attendant. So I worked for this company on Long Island, excuse me, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, um, at fancy weddings and not so fancy weddings, there's these modern type of photo booths where you basically, there's a bunch of different types, but you stand in front of a backdrop and you get to see yourself on a big touch screen, you take your picture, it prints out so much fun. And I worked as an attendant for two years for another company. Um, you know, you're talking every single weekend, eight, ten hour days for two years. Like it, it wasn't easy at all, and most people won't do that, especially in college. And so, then what happened was I went back from Suffolk. So it's kind of a complicated story. I don't want to talk too much about it because there's so much else stuff to talk about, especially with social media. But basically, I went back to Binghamton to become a doctor, which at the time was <laughs> you know, what happened was looking back and a lot of kids fall into this job. I think in college, you know, I went from being a division one soccer player to nothing. And I was like, all right, what can I do that is close to that level of status? And I'm like, all right, I'm going to be pre-med. Like You you went to Binghamton. So, you know, if you weren't pre-med or pre-law or engineering or in the business school, like what were you doing there? You know, it's like, at least that's how I felt, I think at the time. And um, so I went back to school for that and I'm kind of all over the place now, but I went back to school for that for two years. And during that time is when I started my own photo booth company up in Binghamton. Gotcha.
0: Okay. So what gave you the, the confidence to start a photo booth company after you'd put all this work in two years, but you know, a lot of people would put in work for two years for a company and wouldn't say like, Oh, I'm going to start this company myself. Why'd yeah. you do that?
1: I think cause that was like my first taste of like, okay, keep in mind. that was my first taste of money. And keep in mind, I was making like $150 for like a nine, 10 hour day. So that's not a lot of money. But for me, it was a lot because before that, my only job was like at a chiropractor, making minimum wage. And I think it was a result of, if I'm being honest, it was all the gym. I talk about that sometimes. Um, I talk about on my Instagram, a good amount, how that experience changed everything for me because, you know, it was a combination of, (laughs) you know, for better terms, brainwashing myself with positive influences for once hyperdosing on pre-workout and <laughs> actually, actually putting in the the work physically to you know change my body and there, there is something special there when you're, you're putting in the work in the gym and you watch yourself ch- like i have a crazy pretty i'm proud of my like transformation from like really skinny to like my arms aren't big right now but like having the like, decent arms decent physique and it's all the result of that and the business at the confidence came from that 100 all, all any confidence i have did because like I said, before that, I was that kid who was just playing soccer and going back in his room and, and like watching Netflix. And that's, I don't think I'm that way anymore.
0: So you mentioned the Instagram. How did that come to be?
1: Sure. So the Instagram. So like I said, I, I like, low love watching like Christian Guzman. So I was yeah. always like kind of fascinated by like having your, an audience of some type, but I was never really the type to, uh, like be in front of camera all the time. I'm still not, and I'm trying to do more and maybe I will be more one day, but, uh, that's actually a pretty funny story, but was that, what actually, so I always wanted to have an audience of some type and this was, so I didn't start that till two years ago. And um, what it's called behavior act, what it is for anyone who's listening is, it's basically a manifestation of like all the different self-development entrepreneurship um, content that has helped me in addition to a lot of my own experiences. And I started that because like, it just something hit me and I just realized I needed to, start this journey. I was going to do it every day and I was going to do it till I succeeded. Another thing that succeeded, I'll just be completely honest is I was seeing a girl at the time who had like 10,000 followers and in <laughs> Banton, I'm, I'm serious. I'm not going to lie. In Banton, I love a, it. In Binghamton, that was a big deal. And so, and like, cause she was like the, the girl in Banton who had like all these followers. And I was like, like, well, I, I can, I can have followers. Like, I can do this. And obviously like she was doing it like for like, I hope she doesn't listen to this. She probably won't. But, um, I'm so curious who it is. <laughs> I'll tell you she was, uh, you know, I was posting pictures of herself. <laughs> when she was a girl, but uh, that I think sparked sparked it a little bit because I started like basically around I met her. But more specifically, there were these accounts growing on Instagram that were just posting these information infographic type things because that's how I kind of started posting just random facts like how to you know healthy habits, different behavior changes, a lot of kind of honestly like kind of cookie cutter bland content. But I saw that and was like, hey, I can do that too. And that's kind of how it started.
0: Yeah. So the Instagram is called Behavior Hack. And it's probably my favorite favorite Instagram account out there, honestly, because you might call the, I don't know, how would you describe your content today? Would you call it cookie cutter still? Because I think that there's a lot of stuff in there that's really mm-hmm. valuable and it's and it's brainwashing yourself to positivity and how you want to see the world. So do you still believe your content is cookie cutter?
1: No, no, no. I I really tried for it not to be. And, uh, I don't think it is anymore. I try to, um, the content has changed so much and I'll talk about this more. Like when we hopefully talk more about like social media, specific strategies, stuff like that, it's changed so much over the time um, that I've had the page over two years. And I'm only trying to post things that you don't hear often, but you need to hear. Mm. And I think that's something that the best creators have in common. And, you know, they're sharing ideas that a lot of people are thinking, a lot of people are feeling, but very few people are able to articulate the right way. And yeah, that's, that's what I think. <laughs>
0: so what's your process for getting all this information and distilling it into the best stuff?
1: Sure. Yeah. So it's the way I look at it is, and I look at like uh, psychology and everything like this is, you know, you're, you're an operating system, right? Your brain is an operating system. And creators have a special responsibility where you're responsible for not just input, but a tremendous amount of output. And only through time do you develop a system where it's almost like a sixth sense of content. And so the way I look at it from a really, uh, I mean, now from a simple standpoint is you have all these inputs all the time, whether they be books, you're reading tweets, videos, you're watching random shower thoughts you know, thoughts you have while like going crazy at the gym, uh, conversations, right. All this stuff. And you have to find a way to distill all of that into content, a, co- a format of content that, you know, will resonate with your audience. And I look at it as, you know, um, someone, I think, you know, we found it was Jack Butcher and he talks a lot about constraints and he obviously has an amazing constraint with visualized value, but I think it can be, a elaborated like for my example which is you know a few different types of posts like I know how to take this idea this input and put it into this output that will work with the audience that's basically a big picture of how I I think of it
0: and how long did it take you to get to that point
1: a really long time like a long time yeah and it's a long time and it's a long process but but you know I say this I've said this to a lot of people who are starting social media and whatever they want to do it's you know, it's a very simple three step process that you have to commit to create every day, study what works, do more of what works as long mm-hmm. as it's contributing to your end goal, you know, and, and people, uh, people miss the the last two points, I think.
0: So, okay. Break that down for me. What, what do people get
1: wrong about those last two points? The number one thing is an obsessive attention to, um, data and not just your data, but other people's data. It's all visible. You're scrolling through your feed and people forget that you're able to see basically how everyone's content is performing all the time. And so what I would do, especially on the, it's very different on Twitter because Twitter's just words. Um, but Instagram is more variables. You know, there's, there's stories and there's uh, posts and there's carousels, but you have a good amount of your audience from Twitter, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll talk about Twitter mainly, but, um, you know, a lot of people, a lot of marketers talk about having like a swipe file. Have you, so basically, you know, files for all different types of tweets. It's, it's similar to that, but an ability to not just, you know, scroll through your timeline, but you have to kind of passively be analyzing it all the time. And like I said, that's a skill I think that, um, like you've been creating content a while. I'm sure you, you have it to an extent. I'm sure any creator who's been doing it a while knows what I'm talking about. Uh, but I think people that struggle miss that step there are people who've been posting for years, but if you look, their content usually doesn't change. And in addition, it looks nothing like the people who are really killing it in the area. But when you make a list, you know, you can create a board of directors like we talked about earlier for every, I have them for almost everything. Like I have them, I didn't put it in the email, but I have all a bunch of creators on Instagram, Twitter, even TikTok, because I might do some TikToks this year. And analyzing how they're producing content is I think by far like the most important thing. How do
0: you find and figure out which platform you're going to devote time to? Because you have a huge following on Instagram and now you started tweeting and I see you're putting out a newsletter every day, Monday through Friday now. So how do you decide that these are the platforms you want
1: to go on? So this kind of came from honestly necessity. Um, I'll be honest, Instagram, I'm not a fan of where they're taking the platform, Uh, especially lately. They could bring it back and change that. But and especially for what I'm doing, which is if you go check out the Instagram at Behavior Act, it's, it's almost all text. And it's, it's not a platform really built for text unless you're posting very, <laughs> the text that does it really well on the platform is like um, spirituality and like mental health, which is, is great. Like I'm not, I'm not saying that's not great, but unless you can capitalize on story shares, it's, it's a difficult, they're, they're shutting down organic growth basically. Like my content used to get a lot of views from hashtags and the explore page on Instagram. And it's just less now, even though I have a huge audience, I don't love that. Like I tweeted today, um, you know, when you use a platform like Instagram and Twitter, it's, you know, your egg, your eggs, their basket on a podcast or an email or an SMS list. It's your eggs and your basket. You can debate that like the podcast where they show it. Then I also said the blockchain where it's your eggs and there's no basket. We can talk about that later, but that's how I think of it. Um, This year, I'm really trying to just build as big of an audience across platforms as I can because there's a lot of different goals I have. But I think for someone who's listening, you have to decide where where, where your person is. There's a very different person who's spending time on Twitter than Instagram. And honestly, I would say 90% of my following on Instagram doesn't touch Twitter.
0: Mm. So you, you just said you want as big a following as possible. I guess TikTok would be the best for that
1: yeah but it also comes down to like the, the medium I'm comfortable creating in you know yep and definitely for now um tiktok is not in the arena but it, it will be soon and when i say big as possible i'm not saying like i'm gonna growth is everything like it's it's not i actually preach that you should build your audience slowly yep because and i'll explain that like people it might sound weird but like the problem is when when you try to hack in your way there are hacks like I'm not, a, even though the name is Behavioral, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> a fan of like specific growth hacks. And these are really prep, You can see it on Twitter right away. You can see when someone's kind of playing the Twitter game, you know, like, and I've, I've played it too in the past. Like I've been, I've tr- tried it quickly, you know, and seen what happened. But like, I'm talking like nonstop replying, spammy replying, long, mm-hmm. long summary threads, you basically not adding any value. And the problem with that is, um, you know, when you, when you try to grow an audience, like overnight, you're going to grow the wrong audience. And, you know, I, I tweeted this too, but like, you're going to have traffic, but you're going to have no trust. You're going to have no history. Like you, you're going to do your podcast for, you know, 10 more years, probably. Right. And you're I, only because you said so. And, you know, think about how long people are going to have a relationship with you. And that doesn't happen when you try to play the system and, and do it overnight. And so while I'm trying to grow as big of an audience, I'm trying to do it the right way.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So You also mentioned just now your goals and how you have big goals for what are you planning on doing with this audience?
1: So it's tough. So I'll run you basically through the the last year because it's honestly changed a lot. And I've spent a lot of time debating what I wanted to do with it because um, there's a lot of options, I think, for me and and everybody. You could do whatever you want with your audience. You could start at your general likable guy and very positive. You could start anything and people would support you, you know, and that's the benefit also of growing your audience slowly and doing it the right way. But so my biggest goal for this year is, so I didn't really talk too much about my photo booth company, but that's really my biggest goal for this year. What happened with obviously the pandemic was I'm in New York. There was not, not many events this year. And while I could have, excuse me, I could have tried to rush and like, not rush, but I could have tried to like tinker and, Like people did virtual photo booths, but I just decided I'm not going to worry about that. I'm going to book as many events as I can this year for the following year. think very long-term put a lot of effort. I really built my whole audience this year. I think I had 30,000 followers on Instagram before the pandemic. And now it's at almost 157 and I have audience elsewhere now, um, which I didn't have before. And my biggest goal for this year is, um, with the photo booth, I'll talk a little about the photo booth, actually. Is that okay?
0: Of course, a, whatever you want.
1: Pretty big part of what I'm doing. And I didn't, I didn't talk so much about it. So I'm a big believer, and this is kind of controversial, but I'm a big believer that following your passion is extremely tricky. And it's not for everybody. And I'm not the only one who says this, but I think there's something to following opportunity first and passion second. It's not saying that you shouldn't follow your passion, but I think for a lot of people, your passion is, you don't know what it is and your passion is always changing. And until you have to not, okay. If you have to wonder what your passion is, you haven't found it. I I truly believe that. And for me, I have the opportunity to have one of the biggest photo companies like potentially on earth. And like Seth Godin, I think says this, he talks a lot about being the best in the world at something. And he doesn't, when I say best in the world, I'm probably exaggerating a little bit, maybe, but Best in the country, United States for sure. And um, he talks about being the best in the world in any kind of world, right? Like you could be the the best podcaster on Twitter or the best podcaster on like uh, okay, what it? Was money Twitter, right? That's like a thing. Like I guess so. I if you're part of that or not. But, um, <laughs> I know money twitter is a thing, but you know what I'm saying, right? Yeah. And so I would rather optimize for um, this is like from Taleb, like optimize for optionality. Like and by doing the photo booth, it gives me that freedom. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, the photo booth uh, has been a, a weird ride because like I said, basically what happened was I put every dollar, every, like I worked two years for that other company, but I worked two plus years for myself with the photo booth, hundreds of events. I started it in Banton. Um, wow. Actually, that's where I started it for a whole year. I got up to the point where I was doing like six events a week in Banton, which is wow. no middle of nowhere. Like, you know, <laughs> you know, Banton. And then what happened was I basically brought the business back to Long Island and wrapped it and attacked everything with digital marketing and technology. That's something, uh, you know, I love on Twitter. He's one of my favorite followers is a sweaty startup, Nick Huber. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He talks, he preaches this all the time. And he says, you know, find a traditional business that is run by older people who don't understand technology. And so for me, that was dominating Google ads and, augmenting a lot of different things. Like basically the photo we started with me doing it for $150 event for three hours at Thai time. Do you remember Thai time at Binghamton? Yeah, of
0: course. Of course. Yeah.
1: So if you, you know, it's this shitty little bar and it started me doing that. And now, you know, we'll do events for like three K 10 K when they're absolutely insane events. And that became by me, you know, adding different things to the package. We do these fancy flower walls, and like uh, luxury backdrops the biggest thing i'm most proud of is I, I like two years ago started doing a TikTok photo booth which is actually pretty sick i'm the only one in the world doing that wow and, and that's been huge it's basically like TikTok on this custom-built photo booth it's, it's pretty cool and yeah so this year the goal is um during like i've you know we have a ton of events booked for this year and next and really blowing up that company so that I can be completely separate from it. So that's running without me. It's not the easiest business to run without you because it's so physical. There's so many, uh, it's a lot of physical items and uh, it's a lot of timing. You have to organize events, but that's my number one goal for this year in addition to building the audience. Now with the audience, there's a few things I want to do because that I know probably relates to a lot of people listening to this. Um, So, something that's important also to say is, and I don't see a lot of people talking about this, but there's a difference between being a creator and having an audience. And what I mean by that is let's use an example. Someone who's business, like I'm trying to give an example without this isn't talking down on this at all, but there's people whose entire business is relying on them making content on the internet, which is totally great. There's nothing wrong with that at all. And I'm probably going to be doing that for years, but Um, With the stuff I want to do, but there's also something to having just an audience. So that's someone who has an audience. They have people listening to them. They have access to the, you know, they're they're following, but they're not relying on them for projects. And I want to be in that camp as much as possible. Um, But until then, I'm going to spend the next few years going heavy with content. In terms of what I want to launch, I want to do some type of paid community with the audience I have in Behavior Act. In terms of curated content, like I do in the newsletter. Um, access to me, more different groups based on niche interests that I think is going to be really big this year. I think you're going to see tons of creators launching paid communities long-term. I want to, so I've been doing like kind of private consulting um, for different content strategies, cross-platform, because that's kind of what I've gotten decent at, you know, posting post Twitter and Instagram and newsletter, doing that without taking over your life. I want to bring that into more of a, creator studio slash agency more you know an official thing this year but that i'm waiting because of honestly what's happening with uh with nfts and decentralization i think the landscape for what it means to be creator is going to be so different this year and long term um basically the vision that i have like the five ten-year vision right like you posted the other day your your 10-year vision that stadium i want to have some type of education company that So one thing about me is I'm very against college for almost everybody. I spent five years in undergrad. I graduated. Like a lot of entrepreneurs dropped out. I didn't drop out. I graduated and I, you know, I don't regret anything, but I didn't need to be there. And there was no other choice for me. And I think it's changing with uh, ed tech and everything happening there. But I want to create some type of education platform with extremely pragmatic uh, courses and mentorship for people to want to start businesses, whether that be growing a podcast, growing a phone on social media or growing a photo booth business or a, a standard type of service business, something that I wish existed for me. And so, you know, what I would love long-term, it's a long rant here, but, but I'd love long-term like the dream is to have like, obviously have this online, but also to have this compound where, you know, I have, you know, a huge gym area, I have somewhere for this creator studio agency where people are creating content for different businesses and I have this education center where people are working in like small teams or they're working in person with taking different online courses, taking different education materials and building things with it. And I would also love to have, you know, one or two like physical product brands that I really love and have this all in house with a warehouse. That's kind of the long-term vision for me, you know, I have a podcast studio and uh, that's like the five, 10 year vision I have. It, it, sounds, a lot.
0: it sounds a lot like Alpha <laughs> Land. I don't know if yeah, you've been. Yeah, it's
1: similar to that, man. It's similar. Yeah, yeah I, I love it though. Incredible. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Alpha Land is Christian Guzman's uh, huge complex where he houses basically his gym, his warehouse, everything like that. So very cool and yeah. yeah. Um, but back to the consulting for social media, taking people uh, cross platforms. What yeah. is something that you're telling someone? let's say they want to go from Twitter to YouTube, or maybe you're not familiar with YouTube or haven't spent a lot of time creating there, but let's say Twitter, Twitter to Instagram, right? Someone wants to take their content on Twitter and go to Instagram. Maybe something you're more familiar with. What are the first things you're telling them to do? And what's the strategy there?
1: Yeah. So the first thing I said to do is like, you know, each platform is like its own world. Like I said, Twitter, I think it says before, Twitter is like its own little world. Mm -hmm. And, The biggest mistake people, like there are, I see people on Twitter who have big audiences posting on Instagram, it doesn't go anywhere. And, you know, you have have to learn the language of the platform. And it's kind of similar to what I was saying earlier, which is like having a relentless focus. I say obsession, obsession is like my favorite word, but like an obsession with the data and not just guessing, but seeing what people who are dominating on the platform and finding a way to emulate what they're doing. Another thing that really helps that's, that's really necessary. And, and I've yet to do this on Twitter. I need to do more of it is you, you have to find people who are on the journey and go together. Yep. I did that starting out and you have to, you can't, you can't go alone. It doesn't work. And I, I actually really struggled with that because I am kind of a introverted person naturally. Like I just am, even though I'd mm-hmm. like to work. I'm short, I'm always been working on will be more extroverted, but. Like, I think you are someone really who does it really well using social platforms, what they're meant for being social. And yeah, I, you know, that I think is really important. The other thing I'd say is I forgot the last one I was going to say, but Oh, this is the biggest one. This is what I said names, people underestimate the power of just name. I think I said this once name, that's how I built the Instagram audience. And you know, it's the more names you can use the more powerful you're going to be you like, you know, who talks about this really well is uh, Sam Parr who runs the hustle. He talks about how he would recommend, or this might've been his co-host, uh, Shen, but he says, you know, make an imaginary ranking list of like top 10 podcasts. And I would do that all the time, but on Instagram. But more importantly with that is just understanding that like something I'm pretty proud of is like, I'm followed by a lot of the people who I looked up to on Instagram, especially those years I was starting out. And that's when you really understand the power of the internet. Like I've been listening to these people for years and now I'm, I'm DMing them. Like, what is that? Like, yeah. how is that possible? I'm sure so, you've had fuller experiences, right? Yeah, of course. Gary with D, Gary Vaynerchuk. Right? Yeah, of yeah. course. So that's one of the
0: things that I wanted to point out and bring up and ask you about. It's like, you're follow- the first thing I saw when I went to your account was you're followed by Jocko and Andy Frisella. Yeah. And that was pretty cool so you want to tell the story of how those things happened if you can
1: the jocko one is pretty easy i i made a so there was a time last summer um where i almost started becoming have you seen these videos on youtube they're like these really well-made documentaries with like movie footage no haven't seen it like a whole niche niche niche, niche whatever you want to say it's a whole niche of people who use these movie footage and do like cool documentaries and I was gonna do, I was gonna go full time with that. But really? then I realized really quickly it was not natural for me. And I just, I couldn't do it long term, which is a good decision. But in the meantime, I made, I made a video uh, for Jocko around the time. This was everything going on at uh, Black Lives Matter in June, around June. Jocko gave like an amazing speech, stole my profile. And I put together just like a kind of a compilation of his voice and a bunch of footage I found together. And it's, it's really, I'm pretty proud of it actually for like, you know, a video I made in like a few hours. And after I posted that, he followed me. So that's, and he doesn't follow a lot of people. I'm proud of that one. Well, uh, of people.
0: we'll put that in the show notes. And is right. it the one where he talks about protesters and yeah. the other side? I yeah. transcribed that as well on my website. Cause I was like, that was amazing. So I,
1: speech. Yeah. I,
0: I can't wait to check out yours, but what happened with Andy Frisella?
1: So Andy is one of my biggest mentors. Um, and but I say mentor, I mean like internet mentor. He's not directly mentoring me at all. I've consumed his content for a really long time. Um, he's he's someone who I've actually shared a few short conversations with uh, over DM. Um, that comes from. So I I used to post a lot more uh, quotes and like content, but and look, I go back and forth on this. Uh, right now, I'm in much more of a mindset of being more of a creator than a curator. Right, even though mm-hmm. I spent even though I'll be the first to say I spent a lot of time curating, right? Cause I still think it's valuable, especially where it's needed. You know, yep. that's the key with curation. I think there are too many people on Twitter reposting the same of all quotes over and over. No one needs that. Nobody, no one needs more stoicism accounts. Nobody.
0: <laughs> well, well, <laughs> and, the thing is, I think you need to understand your place, right? Like and understand, like, am I adding value here and yeah, read yeah. the room? And it's, it's that's hard to tell, especially when you're beginning, right? Like, yeah. You might be telling someone in the beginning of their journey who's just posting Naval stuff and eventually they'll get to other stuff like you did. I think first curation comes and it's, it's easy to look at someone early in their journey and Seriously. be like, what are, what are they doing? Because they just started. So it's easy to say that. So I just yeah. had to hop in there.
1: No, I can, I agree with you. I probably made it sound too harsh <laughs> that I actually feel it's all good. But I've even posted like you should curate curation helps you find creation. Exactly. And, I think, uh, you know, being a curator first, because what that does, I mean, that's like the Netflix model, right? Netflix posted no original content. And then they found out what, based on data, what content resonated and created their own shows related. And that is like basically how I did my page too. Like in the beginning, I didn't post almost, I I always posted some original things, but I posted mostly quotes, but I tried to always post things that people weren't seeing. So for example, and there's two ways. So this is what I tell people, if you want to try to use this kind of, this is more of a strategy and it's. It's a way to connect with people that you're um, obviously want to meet. So there's two types of people who like I would post quotes of, right? And there's the key always though, is that they're not out there posting quotes. They're not out there posting things like this. So for example, Joe Rogan, right? Joe Rogan's not out there posting quotes, but Joe Rogan will never repost. Joe Rogan will rarely repost me. Even if I like make a really good art piece of him, like the odds of him, it's low odds. Right. You
0: have to get a tattoo of him to get reposted. Exactly.
1: So that's next. That's like the next part of the content strategy. But, <laughs> um, but regardless of that, so there's people like him, right? The problem is, so this is kind of specific, but I think it's good. Um, the way I thought of it is there's two types of people, right? Joe Rogan's who people want to see that content, like um, specific quotes that I would grab from a podcast that were nowhere else, right? People want to see that. Now, people also but for you to be able to really connect with people that are of less than his caliber. Um, there are people like that too. And, um, people like they're, you know, they're still huge, amazing people, mentors, you know, um, like Andy Priscilla was one of those for me where he was able to share my content. He's, he's deep in the trenches, always answering his fans. I'm not saying he's not on Joe Rogan's level because he is in my mind completely. And most people's minds, I just mean in the sense that he's answering people, his followers all the time. And so, But the key there is doing it in a way that adds value to them. And, you know, a good example of this I'll bring up again is Jack Butcher. He creates these posts of quotes all the time that are so like unbelievably done. Like that's, you know, the way he transforms an idea into something new. That's the key. And so like a good example, kind of summing up all this stuff is I would find quotes that were not anywhere else, right? Like one part of a podcast from Andy Bricella. And... I would make these really cool um, cartoon style black and white pictures of him, and I got that idea from studying the data on Gary V. Who there was a time where he was posting a lot of cartoon style images, and and those blew up. And that's you know it's a small thing. It's not like what Jack Butcher's doing, where he's creating these original concepts based on ideas, but he's it's still adding value to them in a way uh, not everyone is. And there were other people I did that for, where they would repost on their feed and you know, that was a big way that I grew the audience. But, you know, the general lesson is, you know, you can connect with people if you can provide value to them. People are afraid to though, and they don't realize um, it's less hard than you think. Yeah. I I always
0: say that everyone is reachable in 2021. You just have to be able to craft the right message or give enough value up front to get them to respond. hundred percent. One thing I one thing I want to talk about are your rules for life. I don't know if this was curated or created, but either way, uh, we could probably spend a whole podcast episode on them. And uh, there's we'll, no
1: name. If, there's no name. I wrote it. Those I write like once a week. I'll do like a list, and it's literally just me in the middle of the workout or like when I wake up. Like, all right, here we go. Bam, 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 bam. Um, I love
0: it. So first, first few are: no one owes you anything. Your limits are self-imposed. Every day is day one obsession is a gift long-term or long-term or zero term. Does it do any of those stand out to you? And you want to talk about any of those and then we'll do
1: the second half yeah, after. Yeah, sure. So the, the, my favorite is the obsession is a gift. And okay. like I said before, like I'm against a lot of what's going on in school, you know, in school obsession is a curse in school obsession. means you're a bad student, but in life obsession means you're talented and obsession means you're going to go places. No one else will like, um, you know you the more obsessed you get with having a great podcast and being a great host the greater you're going to be and mm-hmm. and that's why i love that one all the great all greatness comes from spending time alone obsessed with something i i
0: i totally uh, agree 100%. and 100%
1: the other one's long term or zero term yeah what's that about i just think if something's not in your long term plans it shouldn't be something you do at all mm-hmm. and Now, you know, don't take that too literally, like, but, you know, like there's things you have to do short term, but if something's not contributing to your long-term vision for life, I I don't think it's worth doing. And that includes relationships, that includes jobs, that includes everything. Um, You know, people do make decisions for their short-term life and it ends up ruining their long-term life. And the hard part is, you know, saying no to that marshmallow and, and pushing off, Another thing I say, like the motto on behavior, I don't say it as much anymore, but I should say more is take the hard route. I always Mm. say that. And, you know, almost in every, like, that's what I say the most often in everything you do and any decision you make, there's, you know, there's an easy way to do it in the hard way. The hard way is harder in the short term, but it always leads to better things long-term.
0: That was the biggest lesson I got from doing 75 hard. Have you done it?
1: I haven't done it this this spring. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to post every day doing it. It's going to be fun. But hell
0: yeah. Yeah. It's
1: an amazing program.
0: I'm excited to follow your journey doing that because when I realized that life was harder and more enjoyable because of it, then I was like, "Whoa, this is different from how I've ever thought. And that's exactly what it's all about. So let's hit the second half of, of right. the, the rules for life, which is self-image equals external image those who give get more in return create what you wish existed and it's never about you any of those stand out
1: yeah also i want to preface this is original but i mean steal like an artist nothing's original of course i'm hearing these and like these are all the accumulation of hundreds of people who have said this and so all right you need to say them one more time say them quickly
0: yeah of course (laughs) self-image equals external image Those who give get more in return, create what you wish existed. And it's never about you.
1: The self-image one is good. You know, what is that? You know, psycho cybernetics and, you know, and the the way, if you read that book, Maxwell Maltz, fantastic book. And, you know, the way you see yourself and the way you feel about yourself is going to create the results you see in the world and the way others think about you and, you know, kids are, there's a good example in the book, you know, how someone who's bad at math will just do bad um, exams because of that. And I think the more you can break out of that idea is, you know, the more life's going to hand to you. The one I really, um, there is, oh, then the one I love is create what you wish existed. And that is like, I'm always thinking about that. And whenever I do anything really, especially when it comes to like business and, uh, especially mainly with social media, Right. Like, you know, you got to create the account you wish existed, create the content you need because someone else out there needs it too. And I think people don't do that enough.
0: It's what we're forced to do as creators, right? Is like create what is needed in the world that we wish was there. So another thing I wanted to bring up was you passed along this, uh, this video. It was like a voiceover video of Big Sean called Reality where you said at one point in your life, you watch this over and over and over again, and you watch it several times a year. So what was it about this video in particular that struck you and and stayed with you?
1: So that's a great video. You'll add that to like the show notes, right? Of course. Yeah, Yeah. so I was going to say what it was called, but it's basically Big Sean talking about the law of attraction. And I'm not the biggest person when it comes to, like, I'm a believer in it. But I'm not the biggest person to in manifestation and law of attraction, but I'll explain my experience with it. There's a time when there there was a time in Binghamton when I was going through that tough period with soccer, and I would leave workouts and you know, like I said, like the future. When I wrote that, the future I, I didn't know what was next for me. I was really trying to figure it out. But i will listen to that video in my car over and over and over, just like in the car. Like that, it's a five minute video. I'd watch it like probably watch it a hundred times, like in that spring. <laughs> But the best things that have happened to me is when I felt this feeling of. So, there's a good transfer here. So, there's this guy, uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman. He was just on Lex Freeman podcast, and Joe Rogan's been on him, and he talks about how dopamine is when you know you're on the right path, right? Mm. So there are times when I would be driving. So I talk about the photo booth company, right? This was two years ago. I would, I would drive seven hours upstate from Long Island to to do one event, make $800. And like, I did that probably 10 times, 20 times, like long, long days. But there was times in there where I I knew what was happening. I knew the events were coming in. I knew I was making money. I knew things progress was making and the vision I had for the company and like just growing it. I would feel it like in my bones and I would, I would, this is where it gets a little weird, but if you're into law of attraction, you know what I'm talking about. I would drive in the car and record voice notes of myself reacting to moving into my first warehouse, moving into my first office. And I did ex- exactly wow. that um, a month ago. We had to leave because of COVID, but it still <laughs> happened. And like, I remember it so vivid. I still have the voice notes of like me in the car, just feeling like I was in that moment. Like, I feel it now, like goosebumps, but you'll only feel that when you're, you're doing work to get there. It only happened because I was driving 10 hours doing what no one else would do. And uh, that kind of, like, that's a law of attraction to me, like feeling an event before it happens, you know, experiencing an event before it happens. And so that video helped me with that.
0: So you you have those voice notes? Do you ever listen to them or do you have voice notes now for what you're doing in the future?
1: Some of them. Some. I do it less, but I, I do it sometimes. Yeah.
0: You said you don't sound like you're proud of it, but like it is something to be proud of that oh, you yeah. are are creating your reality. Yeah, I'm proud of it. Yeah. You can say I
1: do it less now. I should do it more. But yeah.
0: You know, it's really interesting because I feel like in some sense, you're very open about things you've been insecure with from having this conversation. Where does yeah.
1: that come from? It comes from not being uh, open with it for so long. Okay. You know? That's like my biggest value. And this year you talk about the social media stuff. My biggest goal with this year is making the page up, uh, my Instagram page, much more personal, talking much more about the stuff I'm talking to you about. Cause you know, people, people resonate with that more. And, you know, being radically transparent is, that's like the value that I have and, and in everything. Cause it, that's the only way you're gonna get anywhere. And for so many years I wasn't, and I wasn't honest with myself about what I was doing and what I wasn't doing. And I think that's the only way to really make progress. And it's people don't do it because it's extremely uncomfortable, but I think it comes from just it comes from a lot of failure and a lot of years lying to myself about certain things. Can you tell? Can you
0: point out the point when you figured out like that you were lying to yourself or that you needed to start telling the truth? Is there was there a moment that sticks out there?
1: There's just. There's endless, moment, there's like dozens of moments of just like suffering, like the, you know, this is, this is pleasant suffering compared to what happens in the world. But there's, for me in college the last few years, especially before everything happened, before I left plus Albany soccer, I was just miserable almost all the time. And I think enough of those moments added up. Enough of those long drives, like upstate doing events, you know, those long weekends working where like I was, I was miserable working those events, you know, a lot of the time, mm-hmm. but enough of that kind of shocks you and makes you, it slaps you in the face a little bit. And I think enough people don't do those uncomfortable things. And that's why they never can face that. That's the best I can say. That's a hard question.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, it, it's a difficult one. I'm wondering like, because it, it denotes that you have looked at yourself for, you know, peel back the layers. And yeah. for someone who hasn't done that, what would you suggest to them?
1: Okay, I have, I have another good answer to because the way you explained it, peeling back the layers was good. What I would suggest for them is you have to put yourself in uncomfortable situations. And I'm not just talking about, um I'm not just talking about, uh, like, you know, working out hard or like doing a fitness challenge. I'm talking about, shaking up your whole reality. So when I talk about, okay, so when I talk the best way, to exp- I have a good answer to your question before. Now I understand it better. There were moments like I talked about when I left college, right. Where everything went to zero and there's multiple other moments, especially with me, it's been relationships. Um, I've had two, two really bad breakups and you know, a breakup is like a breakup. And even like me coming home, coming from Binghamton to Suffolk is, you know, the, the death of like your ego for a second, it's that bandaid you had on, you have all this raw shit going on underneath that bandaid is ripped off. And, and that's, you know, when you heal and that's when you can look at yourself in a new way and you know, my, a recent, not somewhat recent, like, Oh, about a year ago, there was one of those bad breakups. And it's like, you get another, you peel back another layer, you know, and People, I'm not saying break up with your girlfriend or I'm not saying like, go do that, but I th- it's tough. Cause I think unless you go through that stuff, there's literally no other way. Sometimes there's no other way. I, I honestly believe that. And, you know, that doesn't mean that you have to like, you know, inflict suffering on yourself it just means you have to put yourself in situations where, you know, it's, there's challenge and there's discomfort and there's possibility of failure.
0: So, Let's go there to that place. What, what happened? What were your first thoughts like after and how did you come to this new version of yourself after that, after that ego death of the last breakup?
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I didn't expect to talk about this. I'm, I'm open to it, but. A girlfriend is like part of you, you know, it's like a partner. And it's like when that part I always say this, it's very dramatic, but like when, when you're you're in a breakup, that person basically dies, like a better word, better way of saying it, like they're gone unless you're going to talk, whatever. But, and that's like a part of you dying, you know? And so I guess the way I thought of it, that breakup happened because I became based to be completely transparent. I was after everything happened with COVID, I went into basically like a cave where it was honestly similar to what happened with soccer where I was rejected and and I think about this all the time and I felt like, all right, this is, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to like ask for money. I'm not going to try any of this shit. I'm going to put my head down and figure out how to get out of this. And it, it's going to require me not having fun. It's going to require me not talking to anybody. It's going to require me seeing my girlfriend once a week. And that's basically what leads to the breakup. And I had to learn for this, like this example of what I learned from that ego death, you want to say was that wasn't the answer. And hmm. that, I like, you know, I'll be the first to say, you know, you have to work smart, not hard. And me having more hours there wasn't the answer. I mean, there's more things I learned with that, you know, that it's hard for me to explain right now. I just can't think of them. But um, that's basically what I learned then.
0: That more hours in the day wasn't the answer. And going back, how would you have changed or or done things differently?
1: Yeah, I would have, I would have chilled a little bit, (laughs) (laughs) honestly, I would have, I would have taken a second. Cause that was basically my mentality. Cause I, you know, the business, like I had just moved into a warehouse in February and then everything in March happened basically. And, and I, I saw everything happening. I was like, all right, I can't have a life. I have to like figure this out. I have to put my head down. And it basically led to me, it led to good things. Like I'm not going to lie there. There are th- positives that come from that mentality, but there's always a price and I'm not saying it, it was completely wrong either. There's some, there's a quote. One of my favorite quotes are poems. Uh, you have to. It's by. I forgot who Charles Bukowski I think. I think it's called "Go All the Way" or something along those lines, or "Roll the Dice." And it talks about how you know you have to give things up, and if you really want to go all the way, there's some truth to that. But there was a better way for me to handle it, and that after that experience, I became a lot more sensitive, spending more time with my family, um, less time spending hours on screens, and there was a lot of benefits.
0: What is something you've changed your mind on in the past six months? Because it seems like you're always growing. You're always learning. You're always coming across new things. And this has been yeah. a time of change. What's something that's changed your, you've changed your so, mind on in the past six months.
1: Yeah. I'll talk about this. Uh, I actually posted about this yesterday. This is the biggest thing that I've come to realize. And as a creator, it's it's very tough as a creator because you have to be, it's tough to be a creator and not consume anything. It's mm-hmm. very hard. And um, that belief is that most people are better off like completely spending almost as little time on social media as possible. I titled the article clickbait is a slow death. And mm. I think for most people, they're consuming way more content than they need. You know, you have to, you have to remember, you know, your data is being used against you and you're seeing stuff you think you need, but it's only because you're being shown it. And, and I think most people would be so much happier spending less time on their phone. I, I've been really trying to, especially when I wake up and it's been the biggest game changer for me, but the biggest belief is that the biggest belief is like related to this, there's a Taleb quote, uh, I'm going to misquote it, but it's like people seek knowledge as therapy and it's, I've definitely been that person where, especially that time last spring, like I talked about, right. So that, you know, where I was going through the breakup and I was like, all right, I'm going to read every Seth Godin book. I'm going to read all <laughs> this. I'm serious though. And that's not the answer for almost everybody, you know, and people think it is, but it's not. And, and the answer is deciding what you want to do and doing it. And there's so much content out there. You have to become really good at filtering through it because no one's helping there. It's up to you.
0: How do you balance that where your job is to provide content? And then, you know, you have people consuming it, but in your mind, you're thinking, because I've struggled with this myself, it's like in your mind, you're thinking, well, is this right that people are consuming it because they're better off not even looking at their phone? So should I not publish this content?
1: How do you think about that? Look, I struggle with it too all the time, all the time where I'm part of the problem, but you're ultimately not like if I had the choice, I would use social media hundred percent as a creator and spend zero time consuming but that's just not a good way to live. I want to you know, like, I want to see things you say, I want to, see, I want to see things people say, um, I think it comes down to really auditing your inputs. There's so much things I think most people would be okay on following 80% of people and making kind of a, a good tactic is do like on Twitter, you can do lists or on Instagram, you can do like a burner, like a backup account on following people, I think it's okay. Like you should normalize unfollowing people from high school, like, if you don't want to see this, like, you got to think about it. Like you're spending minutes of your life every single day, watching people you don't need to watch. Like just because if you don't, if you're not close with these people, I think that's one people like play start. start but for creators, like I said, it's a similar concept. What do you need? What do you not need? Who do you feel close to that you want to keep in contact with? Who do you not and get rid of everything else. And also just, you know, putting some restrictions on yourself. It's easy. It's easy to say, I'm not going to use this, it's hard to be like, all right, I'm going to use this, this amount. I'm not going to overdo it. Yeah, that's what I said.
0: Moderation is sometimes harder than extremism. Exactly. Yeah,
1: I, I, I'm totally in that boat too.
0: So this has been an incredible conversation. Do you have anything to add? Any any last words or last thoughts or anything you want to leave with the audience with before we go to the close? Is there any other
1: questions? Or is this that about- is it, my man. This is it. I'm thinking. Do you want to talk about like so I'm writing an article right now, which I think would be interesting to you and some of your followers called the 2030 creator.
0: Do you want to talk about mm, that? Like? Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I feel like, I feel like you'd be interested in this. What is so, that all
0: about? 2030
1: creator. It's, it's early. like, I'm trying to, I really like these deep dives into like trends and where things are going. And I think that this is kind of out there, but I like talk, I love talking about it. So like, I'll just say it. Uh, they, my fascination with creating content right now is not anything short-term. Like, it's not. Uh, I actually, a lot of times, I've debated it. That was my biggest thing over the last year was, do I want to put myself out there more or do I want to put myself out there less? But when, you know, you look back in your life, what will you want versus not want? I think over the next 10 years, you're going to see something really special happen with people on social media platforms and platforms in general. Uh, especially with everything happening with the blockchain and decentralization creators are people don't realize this so you know, like i talk about creators are like superhuman right and like the first time i felt this was like i was in the forest running and I had a thought i had a good amount of followers on the page the instagram at the time and i basically had this thought and posted it really quickly and it went whatever you want to say viral people started sharing it on their stories all the time that's like a big thing on Instagram for me. Like people always share the stories and like, you know, it's few hours, like 80,000 people have seen it. And like <laughs> small example, it's like, like, what is that? Like, how, how is that possible? And like, you got to think what's going to happen over the next, the 10 years is are you, have you heard of the metaverse? Hmm. Explain it to people. So, I'm like, okay. First off, with all the stuff, I'm nowhere close to an expert. It's really only been the last few months where I fall in love with this stuff, but the metaverse is where, you know, the digital and physical wor- worlds come together a lot more and people can go between different digital entities. So like someone could go from Fortnite to Call of Duty instantly and, and retain their value, their valuables. What's happening is obviously the digital world is gaining priority over the physical. And I think as you look at technology, you look at what's like VR, AR is still far away. I think like, um, you know, you're talking probably 10, 20 years, 30 years until it's mainstream. But what's happening now with the blockchain is there's, there's no intermediaries and creators are going to have direct influences to the minds of their audience instantly. And they're going to own all of that. And you're also looking at something if you look past 2030. And so that's what I think. I think if you look 10 years from now, they already do. It's just people don't realize it, that creators have superpowers. It's, it's more than just creating content. It's it's literally superpowers. Being able to, especially on Twitter, Twitter's a cool platform where it's just text. But if you have a big audience, your thought is in everyone else's brain instantly. Crazy. And, you know, I use Instagram the same way, basically, with text only. But, and what's going to happen is, it's going to be unbelievable, I think. Like, I have some really out there theories. like I'm really, I'm really interested in, uh, like, have you, have you ever seen the show Upload on Amazon? Never seen it. This will be like the last thing because I know we were going over, and it's something, no, like, no. But it's like a show where people can die, and before people are and before they die, they have the option to upload their brains to this like digital world where it's oh basically a digital heaven, right? Oh my God. Uh, it's a little too much. That's I'm, I like love that shit. Like I could study the science behind. I would study the science behind that all day. Yeah. More uh, specifically, like creators with the augment of AI and with the metaverse and with deep fakes and cgi they're going to be able to be this other thing and i truly believe like a, they're going to be able to be everywhere at once have direct relationships with their, their audience own their audience relate to them in new ways and i like i believe the creators of this generation will will never die basically you're it's it this is like out there but you're going to see what's going to happen is there's going to be all these new ways to interact with people and so the message of this i think is if you want to be a creator and you want to put yourself out the internet you have to look forward to the end of your life and look back and would you want to be a part of that in some way and what i would recommend for anyone's in that position is don't look at it in a short-term perspective because you'll only get short-term results you have to look like like what you're doing you're, you plan on doing this for a really long time and that's where all the treasure will lie. And I think over the next 10 years, it'll be something special, especially for people who've been doing it. That's it. Zach,
0: this has been so much fun. Where (laughs) can people find you if they want more?
1: Yeah. So I know a lot of your audience is on Twitter. So I'm on Twitter at behavior hack, B-H-A-V-I-O-R hack. Um, I'm on Instagram at the same uh, username and you can subscribe to my newsletter. I write a short newsletter Monday to Friday where, uh, I just write some quick thoughts and give some recommendations and you can subscribe. The link is in my Twitter bio. That's the best way to find it. And that's it.
0: And you definitely should subscribe. It's one of my favorite newsletters and those links will all be in the show notes, dannymirenda.com slash podcast. Thank you again, Zach. This has been a true pleasure.
1: Thanks, Danny. You too.
0: Beautiful people. That was my conversation with Zach Tyler. If you have any thoughts or feedback about this episode, let me know on Twitter at HeyDannyMiranda. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. And remember, video versions of these podcasts are available on YouTube as well. That's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I appreciate you tremendously for listening until the final moments. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace.